Welcome to the Nuasis Podcast. You are listening to a special Ramadan halakha by Ustad Abdurrahman Murphy. In this halakha, Ustad Abdurrahman talks about our intentions for Ramadan and the importance of giving back to the community. Nuasis Mosque, through a partnership with Qalam Institute, tries to bring you bi-weekly lectures on a multitude of topics, ranging from spiritual refinement to modern concerns of Islamic theology. If you want to sustain our efforts, visit nuasismosque.com slash donate. Everybody awake? Kind of, yeah. Floating through. At least we got one honest. Um, so we got about 20 minutes, 30 minutes till iftar. And it's actually, subhanAllah, the, the, the most critical time of your day every day in Ramadan is this time. This is the moment. These are the moments in which, um, you know, all of the uh, angels that are scribing or writing down a person's du'as, that's when they're most busy. And the time between Asr and Maghrib, the Prophet taught us, is like a really, really valuable time for a person to sit and reflect. And part of it is because, obviously, it's blessed, but also because it's the most challenging time during your fast to do it because you're just really focusing on making, getting to the finish line and breaking your fast. Um, and so doing what we're doing right now is very, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's admirable, it's noteworthy to sit and, and, and listen and reflect for a moment. We're about one-third the way done with the month of Ramadan, and just like every year, when we hit 10 days, it's like a shock, it like rattles you a little bit. Um, many of us started with a, a lot of goals. Anyone here set their goals before the month of Ramadan? How are you doing on your goals? Kind of? Yeah. Everyone's like, I haven't started yet. I'll let you know when I start. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's the reality of it, honestly, is that you know, we all have very lofty aspirations. And then when it comes down to it, sometimes we, um, we, we stumble or we're you know, a little bit slower than we were anticipating. And that's okay. Because really, the beauty of setting goals is, is, is that it shows that you're taking something seriously and that you want to achieve it. And even if you don't achieve it, remember that all the goals that you set for Ramadan they're all sub-goals to something else. Like, if you want to finish the Qur'an, that's great. If you want to, you know, pray 20 rakats of tarawih every night, that's great. All of that's great. Everything's great, right? Great. But it's all a sub-goal for the greater goal, which is taqwa. The, the, the actual goal for us this month is that we exit the month of Ramadan just being more conscious of Allah every step that we take. And so if I complete all of my sub-goals, but I haven't gained that great goal of taqwa, then I haven't actually gained much. And if I stumble along the way, and instead of finishing all 30 you know, edges of the Qur'an, I only finish one juz, and I'm frustrated because I didn't get to my goal, but you know what, that's more Qur'an than I've read the entire year, then I've actually succeeded. Because I've actually come closer to Allah. That's, that was the entire point. I gave myself a, a finite distance that I wanted to cover, but that's irrelevant because the actual spirit of it was taqwa, okay? And all of this is a very difficult thing to understand unless you understand one thing, and that is that the month of Ramadan is a month where you absolutely and completely take your body out of focus and your image out of focus, and rather, instead, you focus completely on your heart. You completely lose focus of your inner or your outer, and you focus on your inner. For 11 months of the year, it's the opposite. So for 11 months of the year, our focus normally and naturally is to constantly focus on the body, right? And I'm not, not only talking about like vanity and aesthetics, right? Aesthetic, 
right? Aesthetic, right? Okay. I'm not just talking about that, but just in terms of just our general desires. Like, what are some desires that we have, halal, right? That we fulfill for our bodies normally. Food, very good. Food is food is one of them, right? Absolutely. It, you know, and this is something remarkable. It, it's Ramadan shows you how absolutely absurd our relationship with food is. And when I say absurd, I mean like the amount that we would go, the amount that we would do, the things that we would go through for a certain kind of food. My dad used to ask us, you know, what do you want to eat for dinner? And if we said, yeah, I don't know, if he gave us choices, and we we're like, no, not that, not that, not that, you know, like four or five in a row, he would just say, you're not hungry. He would just say, you're not actually hungry, because when a person's truly hungry, what do you want for dinner? You say anything. And if they say this, you say yes. Like, absolutely. And you say the next thing, they say yes. Like, put whatever it is in front of me, I will eat it. You know, if you guys came over to my house, if I invited you guys over to my house for dinner, and I just had a glass of water and a date, and you're like, what's for dinner? I'm like, <laughs> you know, you'd be like, you'd be like, is everything okay like, at home? Like, do you need... <laughs> You financial assistance, like, can I, can I help you in any way? You'd be concerned, right? And that's normal, because who on earth offers their guests a glass of water and a date? But in the month of Ramadan, like right now, you know, as you're studying for finals and you're like submerged and sort of immersed in this busy schedule, sometimes that's all you can have for the time being, right? And you're satisfied. Like, what do you want right now more than a glass of water if you're fasting, okay? Or... What's another desire away from food that we indulge in that's not food related? Social media. Social media, okay, right? Maybe we're fasting from social media as well. That can take up a lot of our time, right? Music and movies, just media in general, right? I was, uh, I was at the gym and I was like, I don't know what to listen to. Like, I'm struggling, you know? Like, I don't know, like, what do I, podcasts are kind of weird to work out to, you know? The guy's like intellectually stimulating you and you're like trying to get motivated. So... He's like, have you ever thought about the ocean? You're like, no, not now, not now. Um, so the point being is like, there's all these sort of versions of fasting. How many of us are sleeping less? Yeah, you're sleeping a little bit less, right? And these are all, these are all ways in which a person just starts to lose focus of their body and focuses on their inner. Because we're not doing these things for no reason. You're not staying away from food for no reason. You're not staying away from sleep for no reason. You obviously have a reason, right? And your reason is that you're aware that what you're doing in lieu of indulging in that desire is helping you. You're aware of that. Because I'm not sleeping, why? Because I'm actually staying up for Fajr, right? I'm up for Suhoor, I'm gonna eat a little bit, and then I'm gonna actually stay up and pray. And in those 30 minutes, like, or those 20 minutes between my Suhoor and my Fajr, like, I could've just gone to sleep. Could've gotten that REM cycle started early, right? Or I'm at the Masjid for Tarawih prayers. Or I'm just spending more time at the masjid. I'm not going to nap during the day because I want to make sure that I get my five in. I don't miss any of the five. So all of these are ways in which this month teaches you and teaches me something about ourselves. We think we know a lot about ourselves, but Ramadan comes every year and it reteaches us the same lesson. And that lesson is you don't need as much as you think you do. You don't need nearly as much as you think you do. You can operate and survive. And in fact, you can actually thrive on a lot less and subhanallah actually i would argue that we thrive when we have a lot less so if i offered you a date and water outside of ramadan you'd be you'd be offended or concerned for me 
right? But when you have that date and water in Ramadan, you're so satisfied. And you just become a much more satisfied and content human being as an individual. You look at your watch when Tarawih ends, and you guys do 20 here, right? So you're ending at like midnight, right? So whenever you can, whether it's praying 2, 4, 8, 20, 36 for the overachievers, right? However many you want to pray, and you look at your watch at the end of the night, and you're like, you know, on a normal night, I maybe would have gone to bed a little bit earlier, and I would have slept a little bit longer. I don't have to wake up for Suhoor. I could just get my, you know, in college, you guys, I can get my easy, my 15 hours a night, right? College students? Yes? No? 15 hours a day, I'm sorry, right? You're like, we don't sleep at night. We go to sleep at 3 in the morning and then wake up at 3 p.m. Uh, and, and that sacrifice, you realize that you're gaining something from it, this spiritual discipline, that you may not even understand the words that are being recited, but you realize that as you stand there in prayer, all of your sins are being washed off of your body. They're being washed off of your heart. And that's enough for me to stand, even if I don't understand what's going on. If I, if I went to a country where I didn't understand the language, and a person just walked up to me and handed me a briefcase of a million dollars, and they spoke to me, and I didn't get it, I wouldn't be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I will not take this unless I understand what you're telling me. I'd be like, yeah, whatever it is, keep it coming. Like, I don't know what I did, right? So when I stand in Salah, and I'm not fully aware of the words that are being recited, what they mean, but I'm aware that the reward is that all of the sins that I've committed in my life are being washed away from my heart. I don't care if I don't get it. I'll stand, right? I'll stand. If I know that for every second I stand in Salah and being raised closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and my taqwa is increasing, it doesn't matter to me if I can verbally dissect the verse that was recited. All I care is that I'm benefiting, right? And so this is the month of Ramadan shows us for a second what it feels like to think about what matters and what it feels like to not ignore the rest, but to kind of put it on the back. You know, if I look at, for example, if I look at Mubarak, if I'm focusing on him, everything, it's like a camera lens, everything behind him, it still exists, but it's just not my focus, right? Like, why do you touch the thing? Why do you touch your screen when you're taking a picture of yourself? What are you focusing on? It's golden hour. Let me give you the scene, okay? It's golden hour. The selfie camera's on. You need to focus. When you hit that screen, you're telling the screen to focus on this part. And what happens to everything else? It becomes what? Blurry. It's still there. You didn't erase it. You didn't delete it from the image. It's just not the focus of the image. So Ramadan has come and said, look, there's two parts to every person. There's a soul and there's a body. The rest of the year, we're focused on the body, and the soul's just kind of in the background. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. I'll pray if I have time, I'll get to it. But Ramadan comes and says no, and it makes you focus for a second on the soul, and the body becomes in the background. And that's the benefit of this month. So much so that how many of you, you share in this feeling, and it's kind of hard to describe it, but like Eid on Eid al-Fitr morning, like how many of you are like slightly, it's like bittersweet? Anyone you kind of like miss Ramadan? Like you miss the experiences and the camaraderie and the community coming together as one unit. You miss the fact that you've become a, a, a person who practices your faith in a way that you never even thought possible. Like you never thought you'd wake up for Fajr for 30 days in a row. Like you never thought. You never thought you'd go to the masjid this frequently. Like I've been to the masjid every day this week. I've been to the masjid five times this week, four times this week. 
I, I barely go to the masjid once a week, if that. And now this is me. It's almost like you don't want the month to leave because you love who you've become. Right? So much so that scholars actually, wallahi, I've, I've read this. It's amazing. They've written like very harsh remarks about people who don't celebrate Eid properly. Why? Because those people are like hanging on to Ramadan the last few moments. And so that's why the Prophet says, what do you have to do on Eid morning before the Salah? What's the Sunnah? To eat something. To get you out of it. Snap out of it. It's not Ramadan anymore. Because everyone's hanging on to it. No! Like maybe I can just keep going, you know? I, want to, I don't want to let go of that version of myself. And that's why the Sunnah is, no, have something. Have something sweet. Why? To remind yourself that Ramadan has gone. So this month is a very, very valuable opportunity. I feel like this month gives us true eyesight for the first time. That we can see all the positivity that lies within us, that's dormant, that we can actually now act upon. And it also shows us all of the hidden negativity that we can clean from our hearts. But one of the things that is so unique about this month of Ramadan in this context and I, there's no, I mean, I'm not, this isn't like a sneak attack on everybody, like, ah, donate, right? But this is just the reality of it. And you're not donating to any person, right, uh, here, or even Noasis, or anything like that, although you should. But you should donate to Noasis, okay? There's screens on the walls. Uh, but there's a beautiful relationship between this month of Ramadan and, and charity. Why do you think that is? You tell me. Why is charity, why did the Prophet Sallallahu why was he described as being more charitable in the month of Ramadan than outside the month of Ramadan? Like we know that he was charitable, alayhi salatu wasalam. We know that the Prophet Sallallahu was an incredibly charitable person. Literally, I mean, there was a story, there was a narration that blew my mind because it's one thing to give money. It's actually very easy to give money. If you have cash in your hand and somebody says, hey, can I have some, can I have some money? Like, it's actually easy. You know what's difficult to give away? Things. Things that you want. Like, money is actually quite simple. But imagine going to the store and buying something. Like, what's something that you want to buy right now from a store? Shoes. shoes. Okay. What? What? You're like, shoes made of food? You're like, so hungry. Right? Okay. What, what, what kind of shoes? Like, give me, give me it. Some Adidas. Some Adidas? Okay. Like, yeah. So you want some Adidas? All right, you buy yourself some Adidas, and now imagine somebody walks up to you. You have the bag, the box, that feeling. It's almost like, like it's almost like a drug. Like shopping is like almost like a drug. It's like you feel like, wow, like I'm a better person now because I bought these, right? <laughs> I feel like I can conquer the world because I bought these Adidas, right? May Allah, may Allah forgive us for falling in love with the dunya man. So you walk away like, or that feeling when you got your new phone. And you're like, I'm going to open it. No, no, I'll open it at home. No, no, I can't wait. I got to open it here. And the person at Apple, they're like, open it here. And they're like, take another hit of that dunya, right? And then somebody comes up to you and they're like, can I have those? Isn't that like more difficult than them just asking you for like 60 bucks? Like it's more, because you're like, no, like I just got them. Like I want those, right? That happened to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi He bought a new garment a new article of clothing for himself. And a person just walked up to him. Can I have that? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and he just took it off and gave it to them. And went and bought himself another one. 
we know he was charitable, but even more charitable in the month of Ramadan. Why? Why is charity and fasting? What, what do charity and fasting or charity and Ramadan have to do with each other? Hint, it has to do with that whole introduction that we just went through. Why is charity more doable now? Why should it be more doable now? What do you mean? One more time? We know what it means to do without. Explain. Uh, I mean, when, when you don't have, you, you, you know what it means to, to, to be without and want and have a desire and need of something. Yeah. Like you become, you start to develop empathy for those who don't have. Like you're not, you don't have food by choice today, right? You don't have food by choice. You're, you don't have, you know, for, for, for many of us, we fast from shopping in Ramadan. I actually met a sister. This is recently, we talked about this at Roots. She's an incredible person, man, subhanAllah. And, and, and she, I'll tell you something about her. So she, she told me that her, her, uh, her resolution this year was to not buy a single piece of new clothing in the year. And she's not broke. Like, she's like the opposite. Like, she's fixed. I don't know what to, like, what do you call like, the opposite of person who's broke? Like, she's like, She's a baller. Yeah, there you go, mashallah, right? She's balling. She's balling. Not in the budget. Mashallah. She's very, very well off. Very well off. And she decided not to. And, and we talked about it, and she said, I just want to fast from that. Like, I want to see what it's like, right? But again, that's a choice. And it's crazy. We live in such a crazy world where we're so macro-wealthy as a society. We're like, we have to choose to stay away from things that are otherwise very much a part of our everyday luxury. We have to choose to exercise. We have to choose not to eat too much. Like, choose. Like, I'm not going to have this second plate of food. I'm going to fight myself off. And so for this month, when you fast from, whether it's food and sleep, or any other desire you're battling, any other luxury that you normally indulge in, right? you get a brief peek into the world of somebody that has no choice. And it's not, it's not the same, because in the back of your mind, you always know that you could. Like, you always know that it's there for you. Like, we remind ourselves all day long, while we're hungry or thirsty, what? Maghrib. Hayat al-Salah, right? Like, you're like, Maghrib, Maghrib, Maghrib. My favorite prayer of the day, right? You're just constantly telling yourself, Maghrib, Maghrib, right? Or as you're standing in Sarawih, you're like, you're just waiting for that, that long stretch of the end of an ayah, right? <laughs> right? Like you're telling yourself. And you know that a ruku is coming. Or you know that the night will end. You know that you, eventually your pillow is waiting for you. Your bed is waiting for you. You know that. It's not the same as the Syrian refugee who doesn't know where they're going to sleep. Or when they're going to sleep. It's not the same, but you get a little peek. So, empathy drives action. It's very hard to do something when you can't feel. It's very difficult. That's why the Prophet said, you feel like your heart's getting hard? He said, go and pat the head of an orphan. And this isn't like him saying, go and find orphans and like that action alone. What he's saying, figuratively, go and connect. Go and sit, spend time with somebody who doesn't have parents. And by, by lack of not having parents in their life, they also are lacking a lot of other things. And see for a moment how blessed you are. 
and your heart, the hardness around your heart will crumble out of gratitude. It will just, all that rust that has been developing year round, that ingratitude to Allah, that Allah doesn't do enough for me. Why is Allah testing me? Why is this happening? I'm not going to pray. I'm, I'm feeling lazy. That ingratitude will just shatter. Why? Because you actually see somebody that has a right to feel what? To feel upset. Right? So charity is driven by this empathy. What else? How else is charity directly related to this? This month. And we'll conclude here. But I want to finish on a very strong point. How else is charity related to this month? Why? Why Ramadan and, and Sadaqah? Why are they always talked about together? There's a lot more reward. Okay. What else? Huh? Your taqwa's higher. Okay. Huh? Very good. You're consuming less. Why don't we give charity, y'all? Like if somebody's like, hey, can you donate to an oasis? If Mubarak's like, hey, right? I just imagine Mubarak wearing like a giant N and like chasing everybody. Donate to an oasis, right? We all want to. Do you guys want to donate? You guys want to be charitable people? Who like doesn't want to donate? Besides Voldemort, like who doesn't want to donate? Like everybody wants to donate. Like everyone who wants to be charitable, right? Like no one's like, no, I'd like to be stingy. Like Abu Kunjus and Kunjusi, right? Like, no, like I want, Kunjus means stingy in Urdu. Like I want to be, I want to be charitable. Like nobody doesn't want to be charitable. What stops us? Gotta eat lunch. What stops us is our bank balance. You think in your head, you're like, I would love to help you right now. And that's why a lot of us, we say what? Like, I want to be successful in my career so that I can give back. I can donate, right? So we create this limitation, this prison, so to speak, financially around ourselves. And we say, I can't really give as much as I'd like to because I don't have. But when you realize how little you need, you realize how much you have. When you realize how little you need, you realize how much you actually have. And so, when you realize that, you know what? I don't need to eat or drink or consume or do this. I lived for 30 days without Netflix. Hopefully. Everyone's like, how do you think we stay up till Sahur, bro? <laughs> I, I lived for 30 days without Netflix. I can give it up. I can give up 10 bucks a month. I can, you know, if I really want to watch something, I can watch it at my friend's place. And that's the legal way of me saying borrowing their account, right? Okay? <laughs> if I really want, you know, I don't need to spend, what's an average lunch cost on campus? 10 bucks? What are you going to spend? $10? $12? Then you get your boba? $24, right? Okay? <laughs> okay? <laughs> Then you get your coffee. It's like, well, how much are we spending every day on food? You realize, like, I don't need to do this. I had a friend who told me, I said, what, what was your biggest realization this month? And I have a lot of, like, really pious friends. I'm not pious, but I have pious friends. I like to hang around them. Maybe I'll start to smell nice, too. So we were going around the circle, and one person was like, I just love Quran. And we're like, wow, mashallah. And it's good. People fall in love with Quran this month, man. It's beautiful. It's the most Quran we hear all year. It's beautiful, especially when you hear beautiful recitation. Your heart is like, man. You get, you get to a certain point in your life, by the way. I'm 31. 
where like music just can't compete, dude. <laughs> Wallahi, it just can't compete. Like you're just exhausted. All the songs sound the same. You're like, all right, I'm done listening to everything. Now my Spotify is like Minshawi, Mahad Moraikli. Like if you follow me on Spotify, you're like, who are all these Arab dudes, right? Like it's just a bunch of reciters because subhanAllah, Quran is just phenomenal. So you have some of my friends are talking about how they fell in love with Quran and prayer and this. And then I had one friend, he said, you know what? I realized that I eat way too much throughout the day. I can exist on one snack and one meal every day. He said, I can exist and I can function and I can thrive. I'm not Ennis Cantor's friend, by the way. This is another person, right? Okay. And so the realization that he had in that moment was that he's been spending a lot of his wealth on something he didn't need, but that he wanted. And this is the realization we have this month. We are constantly feeding our wants and not our needs. And we're unable to be as generous as we want because we want too much. We want too much. So what I'm going to ask everybody to do tonight, I'm not going to give a number, there's no goal in my head, right? What I'm going to ask everybody to do tonight, and I need you to listen for this. You're going to eat of thought, inshallah. You didn't pay for dinner. You sh maybe didn't pay for lunch today, right? Unless you paid for somebody else's lunch, you're just a baller like that, okay? <laughs> or you weren't fasting, medically exempt, right? Maybe you ate lunch today because you, you, you can or you should eat. But... I want everybody who's going to be in this room right now not to leave tonight until you've contributed something to the causes that Islamic Relief is supporting. Something. Sponsoring an orphan is $40 a month. $43 a month, I believe, for certain countries because there's less of a barrier to entry. Get with your friends, Venmo each other, sign up, and I want you guys, everybody, to give something. $5, $10, $40, $50, whatever you can. Make this your sadaqah for this week. That this week I went ahead and I gave and I supported and I took from the many luxuries that I have 52 weeks out of the year and for the 48 weeks that I, I indulge in those things normally, I took four weeks that I cut out these things from my life and I took whatever I use on those desires and I gave it to my brother or sister who doesn't know whether they're going to have that food or drink. And I'm not, this isn't hyperbole, by the way. This isn't me saying like people who don't know when they're going to eat and it's like exaggeration. This is very literal. I was in Bethlehem this past November because we go to Jerusalem every year, alhamdulillah, with Qalam. We visit a refugee camp in Bethlehem, in Beit Lahem. And I remember hearing the sound of like metal on concrete, like scraping and like bouncing and scraping. And I was wondering what it was for the longest time. And then our group went outside and we saw these group of like five or six boys. I'm sorry, this wasn't in Bethlehem. This was in uh, Khalil in Hebron. And we saw this group of five or six boys playing soccer with a old Coke can. And we asked, you know, like one of the guys nearby, one of the, the elders, the Ammus, we're like, why are they playing with that? Is that? Are they like trying to like, is it like an extra degree of difficulty that we don't know about? Or like, why don't they just use a ball? And the guy started laughing. And he said, these kids can't afford food. What makes you think that they're going to be able to buy a ball? And we went immediately and we bought them as many things as we could because that realization broke us. 
it shattered us to know how many balls my son has in his toy chest, how many that he never even touches, and these kids had to take a can and crumple it up and make that their toy because it was either food or fun and they could not sacrifice their food. So when I say these things, I'm not speaking in theory or hyperbole. I'm not exaggerating and I'm not making it up. This is real. And Allah has given us so much and he has tested them. He has tested these people that we're donating to, but their test is also our test. They're being tested to see if they'll be patient. We're being tested to see if we'll be generous. They're passing their test. I don't know if we're passing ours. Their test, persevere, and they're doing it. They still have somehow a way to smile. Somehow. A way to put a smile on their face. Our test, can you give a little bit? Do you guys know how much zakat is? Percentage? What's zakat? Percentage-wise. How much percentage? Two and a half percent. But most people don't start giving zakat until they're earning because most people don't have a bare minimum to qualify for zakat, right? It's called the nisab. Um, I believe currently it's, uh, there's two values. Anyways, most people don't have that much in their account for a year. It has to stay there for a year, okay? What I still recommend to everybody, just to get in the habit of it, look at your bank account, take two and a half percent, and become very used to donating that and giving that, if not much more. Never ever let a day or a week or a month go by without you being charitable. If you don't start being charitable now, guess what? When you start earning your salary, you're not going to magically just start being charitable. If I'm stingy now, I will be stingy then. If I'm charitable now, I will eventually become more charitable then. It doesn't just turn on with money. Because charity begins inside. That's why Allah Ta'ala doesn't look at your body, he looks at your heart. Allah doesn't look at your body or your image. Allah looks at your heart. So give, give, give tonight. No one leave this room, yes or no? Do I have a pledge for everybody? No one's leaving. Give a quarter, give a dollar, give five, give something, but give. Not a single person tonight. I don't care about the dollar amount. I really don't because that's not up to me. That's up to Allah. What I care about is that we have 100% involvement. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept from us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us generous people. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to fall out of love with the dunya and that that love instead is the love of giving to others and love of Allah and His Messenger. We ask Allah to accept our fasting and we ask Allah to accept our prayers and make this Ramadan the best Ramadan of our lives after which we walk out of it being people that we never thought we could be much better than we thought we, we thought of ourselves amin rabbil alamin barakallahu thank you my dear beloved sisters and brothers in austin in oasis barakallahu fikum assalamu alaykum